Since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, global health systems have been challenged like never before. As time and resources were directed towards responding to the virus, it was the dedication of healthcare workers that kept services running. Amongst the uncertainty, our hardworking Queensland clinicians have continued their pursuit of excellence, innovating and adapting the way they work to ensure consumers always receive the best care possible. To them, the pandemic was an opportunity to learn and grow and to ensure healthcare delivery continues to evolve to the ever-changing landscape. Because if we've learned anything from the last two years, it is that things will always change and our clinicians will always rise to the occasion. The corporate world transitioned quickly to working from home and endless video chats when the pandemic struck. The transition for our healthcare system, while keeping patients at the forefront, was much more complex. How did our clinicians manage to keep hospitals open and functioning for those who needed them, meet the potential demands of COVID surges, and transition care safely where possible? While I would say dedication and a little creativity, I'll defer to them. When Phil Norris's foot became infected, he was told he'd have to visit his local emergency department three times a day to receive intravenous antibiotics. Hi, Phil. But now the hospital is coming to him. Waiting rooms at, at ED are always going to be a cause of frustration and mental health-wise, this has been brilliant. Queensland Health's Hospital in the Home program is being offered to a small number of patients in northwest Queensland for the first time. Patients that need minor dressings, antibiotics daily, that are not acute, so that means they're low acute, they're stable patients. Program manager Ade George has been teaching patients how to complete their own observations, saving nurses time and resources. With pressure growing on the health system throughout Queensland, the government recently announced an extra $15 million for the hospital in the home scheme across the state. But none of that money has been allocated to this region. Mornington Island resident Jimmy Wilson has completed the program while staying in short-term accommodation in Mount Isa. He'd like to see it rolled out in even more remote areas. Staying in hospital yeah. It was not a very good place for me to stay because, one, I don't like hospitals. Mr Wilson thinks other Indigenous patients would be grateful to avoid the stress of staying in hospital and get back to the important things in life. I want to see my grandkids and family again, go back to my life again. Julia Andre, ABC News, Mount Isa. I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the northern water of all Aboriginal nations and pay my respect to elders past and present and to those yet to come as we work together towards a healthier future. My name is Adibinkwe George and I'm the clinical lead and project manager for the Hospital in the Home Service. Originally a clinical nurse till I got this role and I'm really very grateful. Now, I would like to take you on a journey to what it's like to be in Northwest to for you to understand our remoteness. So the Northwest Hospital and Health Service governs operates and provides health service to 10 remote communities of Northwest Queensland. It is seven and estimated 33,000 people, of which 23.4% are of First Nations descent. Now this is over a land area of 300,000 square kilometers across one regional hospital, two multipurpose health services, 
three remote hospitals, four primary health clinics, and five community health centers. Mount Isa Hospital, that is our regional tertiary hospital, is the most remote tertiary hospital in the whole of Australia. Now you see the complexity of delivering healthcare in Northwest HHS is magnified by unique characteristics and challenges, including the lack of or limited resources. The geography and population of Northwest Queensland region presents challenges for clinical service delivery, including increased prevalence of chronic conditions and comorbidities, socioeconomic disadvantages amongst, amongst our First Nations communities, workforce issues such as supply, retention of staff, training and education. The issues and service delivery require a different innovative approach through collaborative and shared resources that would develop leverage to current and future investments. Now this is to improve access to quality health services. The drive to reduce hospital level care to care at home makes the development of our new model of care essential. The profile of Northwest HHS. Now a snapshot of the health profile of Northwest HHS reported by the Northwest Cl Clinical Service Plan 2016-2020 and the Health of Queenslanders 2020 reported and provided insight into the current and emerging health issues that need to be addressed. It summarized that Northwest HHS people are dying younger, people are admitted to hospital at higher rates, many people in the population have chronic diseases that is contributing to preventable deaths, and the health of the First Nations people is worse than the rest of Queensland. The rate of potentially preventable hospitalization in our HHS is 22 times higher than other areas in Queensland. Now for the period of 2019 to 2020, 7% of all hospitalizations in Northwest were potentially preventable. We are currently ranked the fourth highest out of 15 HHSs for the percentage of hospitalizations that are potentially preventable. Our vision of the Northwest HHS service is to be Queensland leading hospital and health service delivering excellence in remote healthcare for our patients. Now through our principle of a culture that encourages innovation, new technology and research, the implementation of the hospital in the home service, our virtual healthcare unit, have been able to commit to supporting new thinking and fresh ideas that has helped us achieve our vision. We have been able to provide quality healthcare for patients, which is well coordinated, efficient and sustainable. We are providing care for our patients in the right setting. So what was before hospital in the home? I will say nothing. If we compare ourselves to our other HHSs, we have the HIF that is already existing, probably, God knows, 10 years ago. We have the cheap service, post-acute care service, but in Northwest, we didn't have that. So it meant that patients that needed IV antibiotics once a day would have to stay in hospital or come back to ED. Our patients didn't have another option of care, which was hard. Patients stayed in hospital longer for just minor things. Discharge against medical advice, which is quite permanent where we are, for indigenous patients that have that intergenerational stresses. Didn't want to stay in hospital, but there was no option for them to be cared for at home. And that is what hospital in the home has been able to provide to do. So it meant that if a patient needed antibiotics for cellulitis, instead of staying in hospital, and our original hospital in Mount Isa is just 80 beds. Instead of blocking up our beds, readmissions, we had that option to take them out and manage them in the community particularly our um, indigenous or First Nations people from the remote sites, were able to provide an option of care which has been amazing and well accepted. So what have we achieved so far? So much. We are thankful for the funding from Better Health NQ and from the COVID-19 grants. 
we were able to actually uh, implement this service. We went live 1st of March. Now, one of our key enabling tool was technology through remote patient monitoring devices. As we know with COVID, there's been an explosion of devices and it has given us the opportunity to actually add that to our care for our patients, including indigenous and non-indigenous patients. We have a currently well-equipped hub stationed in Mount Isa. We went live 1st of March and we received our first referral within 25 minutes of going live. That tells you how much it was needed. And within a week, we had three patients. We only had a capacity for five. But then, because we don't have a post-acute care service, everybody wanted to be part of it. The role of hospital in the home was to manage acute subacute patients, but then we realized that we had to meet the needs of our community. Well, with our First Nations clients, those coming from Mornington, Dumaji, that didn't want to stay in hospital, we had to build and create partnership with some hostels, which we termed medical hostels, to provide a safe place for our First Nations people. Now, the idea was to provide care that was comfortable, culturally appropriate, and it was a short-time accommodation for these First Nations people to receive care in Heath comfortably instead of staying in hospital. Now, aside that, <laughs> we recently received a contract from the QPS to manage detainees in the watch house. You probably asked me that, what has that got to do with hospital in the home? Not much, however, with our enabling tool, which was technology, we are trying to see how we can support the inmates with telehealth and get them the help they need with their GPs or with some care. Last week, we were able to support a patient with their biasilin. So we had to call Gigi. Gigi gave us the biasilin, and one of our nurses went to the in our um, watch house and gave it to the patient. We know that we are outside our scope of hospital in the home, but we are slowly expanding to a virtual healthcare unit to support the hospital. We've also been supporting our wound care nurses because in Mount Isa, like I said, if a wound care nurse needs to provide care, she doesn't work on Saturday and Sunday, the patient will have to come to ED. So we are receiving those referrals to support our patients, provide care in the right setting, which is their home. And it's been very rewarding. We are also currently actively planning towards COVID. and uh, We've been given a directive to use our remote patient monitoring devices, get more so that when COVID does come to Northwest, we can support the patients remotely. Now, one of the other things we also did was to partner with another project in Mornington. So Mornington Island is one of our HHS service locations. It is part of the Willie Island and can only be accessed via charter plane. It has a population of 1,000 people, of which 89% or to 99% are actually First Nations descent. Now, the life expectancy of an indigenous man in Mornington is 47 years old, which is similar to the sub-Saharan African statistics or man. So that is how the diet is. Now, the idea was to support a chronic disease management using remote patient monitoring. So the idea was we had 15 patients in Mornington. We had a health worker. This patient had lots of comorbidities, particularly diabetes, and they had our kits. The kits comprised of the blood pressure machine, a scale, SATS probe, temperature. And these patients were given a digital care plan to check their OPS every day. Now in the OPS stationed in Mount Isa, a clinical nurse would check on these OPS daily. If it flags, we'll try and contact the patient. If we can't get hold of the patient, we call the healthcare worker to support the patient. Assuming Mr. Joe Black had uh, blood sugar of 18 and it flags, we'll try and call him. If we can't, we'll call the health worker and give them instructions on what to do. And that patient can actually get the care they need before they get into hospital. It was a proactive model of care and it's been successful and working well. 
Now, this was a great <laughs> trial site for our Wilhelm Spokes model. I was going to share a story of one of our patients that benefited from hospital in the home and moved to Mornington Island, but I, I don't have time to do that. But I will talk about our key milestones. So we've been able to actually satisfy our patients immensely. They're happy that they have that option of care. We've received recurrent funding for two years, which is amazing, but we need more because currently we are just having capacity of five. They're hoping that we can actually service more clients. Last year alone on cellulitis, we saved the hospital, um, last month alone on cellulitis, we saved the hospital $24,000. So we've immensely reduced the cost for our hospitalizations in our health service. We've been able to integrate technology into care successfully. We've also been able to implement our medical hostels, particularly for our First Nations people. And we are successfully returning patients back to country and to their primary health centers successfully with no readmissions so far, fingers crossed. So we are still undergoing our evaluation and we do know that we are going to measure significant change in success. Our roadmap to the future. So what next? We are hoping to implement a wheel and spokes model to other remote areas where we can support our chronic disease management and have that perspective everywhere. The hub will be stationed in Mount Isa, will pick up patients with, that meet the criteria and support them with their chronic disease management. We're also looking at rehab in the home. Of course, we'll need staff for that. Hopefully, we get more funding. And we can support patients step down from um, Townsville Hospital to the hospital in Mount Isa. Palliative care in the home is another roadmap that we are looking at, and hopefully we can get through. Of course, we've been told to plan towards managing COVID well patients with remote patient monitoring devices, and we are actively doing that right now. Our service is only for adults currently. We are hoping that we can actually add PEDS to it so that parents can enjoy having their kids at home and having nursing staff come to them. Um, I think that's, that, that's me then. Um, I would like to say a big thank you to our executive director, Tamsin, that is here, our researcher, Julie, and to Paula, and to our executives in Northwest that help us bring this um, project to reality. Thank you. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, Head on over to Facebook and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.